Today is January 24th. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer, and I am so happy you're here like I am every day. We have a lot to cover in our reading today, so let's just jump right in and go. Like dough, nitro, my flow, nice clothes, like whoa. Do y'all know what song that's from? I don't know why that song has been in my head, but it is. Do y'all know? If you do, you should know. Um, But if you do, I will send you a gift if you're the first person to message me. So the first person to message me and tell me what song that's from, I have a gift for you. And as long as you're in the United States, I will mail it to you for free. Okay, okay, okay. I'm being real silly. So let me, let me bring it down. Let me bring it down and let me get into a space. We are about to read God's word and this is serious. So, okay, here we go. Genesis 48 and 49, Common English Bible. After this happened, Joseph was told, your father is getting weaker. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim with him. When Jacob was informed, your son Joseph is here now, he pulled himself together and sat up in bed. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me in Luz in the land of Canaan. He blessed me and said to me, I am about to give you many children to increase your numbers and to make you a large group of peoples. I will give this land to your descendants, following you as an enduring possession. Now your two sons born to you in the land of Egypt before I arrived in Egypt are my own. Ephraim and Manasseh are just like Reuben and Simeon to me. Your family who is born to you after them are yours, but their inheritance will be determined under their brothers' names. When I came back from Paran Aram, Rachel died to my sorrow on the road in the land of Canaan with some distance yet to go to Ephratha. So I buried her there near the road to Ephratha, which is Bethlehem. When Israel saw Joseph's son, he said, Who are these? Joseph told his father, They're my sons, whom God gave me here. Israel said, Bring them to me, and I will bless them. Because Israel's eyesight had failed from old age and he wasn't able to see, Joseph brought them close to him, and he kissed and embraced them. Israel said to Joseph, I didn't expect I'd see your face, but now God has shown me your children too. Then Joseph took them from Israel's knees, and he bowed low with his face to the ground. Joseph took both of them, Ephraim in his right hand, at Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand, at Israel's right hand, and brought them close to him. But Israel put out his right hand and placed it on the head of Ephraim, the younger one, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands because Manasseh was the oldest son. He blessed them and said, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, may the God who was my shepherd from the beginning until this day, may the divine messenger who protected me from all harm bless the young men. Through them may my name be kept alive, and the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac May they grow into a great multitude throughout the land. When Joseph saw that his father had placed his right hand on Ephraim's head, 
He was upset and grasped his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. Joseph said to his father, No, my father, this is the oldest son. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He'll become a people too, and he'll also be great. But his younger brother will be greater than he will, and his descendants will become many nations. Israel blessed them that day, saying, Through you, Israel will pronounce blessings, saying, May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. So Israel put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, I'm about to die. God will be with you and return you to the land of your fathers. I'm giving you one portion more than to your brothers, a portion that I took from the Amorites with my sword and bow. Jacob reveals his son's destinies. Jacob summoned his sons and said, Gather around so that I can tell you what will happen to you in the coming days. Assemble yourselves and listen, sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel your father. Reuben, you are my oldest son, my strength and my first contender, superior in status and superior in might. As wild as the waters, you won't endure, for you went up to your father's bed. You went up and violated my couch. Simeon and Levi are brothers, weapons of violence, their stock in trade. May I myself never enter their council. May my honor never be linked to their group. For when they were angry, they killed men, and whenever they wished, they maimed oxen. Cursed be their anger, it is violent, their rage, it is relentless. I'll divide them up within Jacob and disperse them within Israel. Judah, you are the one your brothers will honor. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you rise up. He lies down and crouches like a lion. Like a lioness, who dares disturb him? The scepter won't depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from among his banners. Gifts will be brought to him. People will obey him. He ties his male donkey to the vine, the colt of his female donkey to the vine's branches. He washes his clothes in wine, his garments in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, and his teeth whiter than milk. Zebulun will live at the seashore. He'll live at the harbor of ships. His border will be at Sidon. Issachar is a sturdy donkey, bedding down beside the village hearths. He saw that a resting place was good and that the land was pleasant. He lowered his shoulder to haul loads and joined the work gangs. Dan will settle disputes for his people as one of Israel's tribes. Dan will be a snake on the road, a serpent on the path biting a horse's heels so its rider falls backward. I long for your victory, Lord. Gad will be attacked by attackers, but he'll attack their back. Asher grows fine foods, and he will supply the king's delicacies. Naphtali is a wild doe that gives birth to beautiful fawns. 
Joseph is a young bull, a young bull by a spring who strives with oxen. They attacked him fiercely and fired arrows. The archers attacked him furiously, but his bow stayed strong and his forearms were nimble. By the hands of the strong one of Jacob, by the name of the shepherd, the rock of Israel, by God, your father who supports you, by the Almighty who blesses you, with blessings from the skies above and blessings from the deep sea below, blessings from breasts and womb. The blessings of your father exceed the blessings of the eternal mountains, the wealth of the everlasting hills. May they all rest on Joseph's head, on the forehead of the one set apart from his brothers. Benjamin is a wolf who hunts. In the morning, he devours the prey. In the evening, he divides the plunder. These are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is what their father said to them. He blessed them by giving each man his own particular blessing. Jacob's Death and Burial Jacob ordered them, I am soon to join my people. Bury me with my ancestors in the cave that's in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that's in the field of Machpelah near Mamre, in the land of Canaan that Abraham bought from Ephron the Hittite as a burial property. That is where Abraham and his wife Sarah are buried, and where Isaac and his wife Rebekah are buried, and where I buried Leah. It is the field and the cave in it that belong to the Hittites. After he finished giving orders to his sons, he put his feet up on the bed, took his last breath, and joined his people. Matthew chapter 15 verse 29 through chapter 16 verse 12 Healing of Many People Jesus moved on from there along the shore of the Galilee Sea. He went up a mountain and sat down. Large crowds came to him, including those who were paralyzed, blind, injured, and unable to speak, and many others. They laid them at his feet, and he healed them. So the crowd was amazed when they saw those who had been unable to speak talking, and the paralyzed cured, and the injured walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Feeding the Four Thousand Now Jesus called his disciples and said, I feel sorry for the crowd because they have been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry for fear they won't have enough strength to travel. His disciples replied, Where are we going to get enough food in this wilderness to satisfy such a big crowd? Jesus said, How much bread do you have? They responded, Seven loaves and a few fish. He told the crowd to sit on the ground. He took the seven loaves of bread and the fish. After he gave thanks, he broke them into pieces and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate until they were full. The disciples collected seven baskets full of leftovers. Four thousand men ate, plus women and children. After dismissing the crowds, Jesus got into the boat and came to the region of Magadan. Demand for a sign The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus. In order to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. But he replied, 
At evening, you say, it will be nice weather because the sky is bright red. And in the morning, you say, there will be bad weather today because the sky is cloudy. You know how to make sense of the sky's appearance, but you are unable to recognize the signs that point to what the time is? An evil and unfaithful generation searches for a sign, but it won't receive any sign except Jonah's sign. Then he left them and went away. Yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees When the disciples arrived on the other side of the lake, they had forgotten to bring bread. Jesus said to them, Watch out and be on your guard for the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, We didn't bring any bread. Jesus knew what they were discussing and said, You people of weak faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you don't have any bread? Don't you understand yet? Don't you remember the five loaves that fed the 5,000 and how many baskets of leftovers you gathered? And the seven loaves that fed the 4,000 and how many large baskets of leftovers you gathered? Don't you know that I wasn't talking about bread? But be on your guard for the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he wasn't telling them to be on their guard for yeast used in making bread. No, he was telling them to watch out for the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Psalm 20 For the music leader, a psalm of David. I pray that the Lord answers you whenever you are in trouble. Let the name of Jacob's God protect you. Let God send help to you from the sanctuary and support you from Zion. Let God recall your many grain offerings. Let him savor your entirely burned offerings. Selah. Let God grant what is in your heart and fulfill all your plans. Then we will rejoice that you've been helped. We will fly our flags in the name of our God. Let the Lord fulfill all your requests. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed one. God answers his anointed one from his heavenly sanctuary, answering with mighty acts of salvation achieved by his strong hand. Some people trust in chariots, others in horses, but we praise the Lord's name. They will collapse and fall, but we will stand up straight and strong. Lord, save the king. Let him answer us when we cry out. Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 27. Be careful about what you say. My son, pay attention to my words. Bend your ear to my speech. Don't let them slip from your sight. Guard them in your mind. They are life to those who find them and healing for their entire body. More than anything you guard, protect your mind, for life flows from it. Have nothing to do with a corrupt mouth. Keep devious lips far from you. Focus your eyes straight ahead. Keep your gaze on what is in front of you. Watch your feet on the way, and all your paths will be secure. Don't deviate a bit to the right or the left. Turn your feet away from evil. Okay, so 
In our New Testament readings from the last few days, we see what appears to be Jesus's rising frustration with his disciples and their lack of understanding. And we're seeing more examples of how the Pharisees and Sadducees are working his last nerve with their hypocrisy and holier-than-thou attitudes. Now, in our reading yesterday, we covered the story about the Canaanite woman. Well, right before that incident, earlier in chapter 15, Jesus has a run-in with the Pharisees and the scribes, and they're questioning him because apparently they saw the disciples eat without washing their hands first. Now, hygiene issues aside, the Pharisees weren't the least bit concerned about how clean the disciples' hands were. But they were determined to trip up Jesus. Mind you, they had traveled over 80 miles from Jerusalem to the area near Galilee where Jesus was at present. 80 miles. It was that serious to them. So a motley crew of them come and descend on Jesus and his disciples. They walk up on him and they're pointing fingers and shouting, you know, you've broken the law of our elders. How dare you eat without washing your hands first? Now, to really appreciate this incident, we have to understand the references to cleanliness and uncleanliness and know what the Pharisees meant by washing. The notion of clean and unclean stems all the way back to the Old Testament. The impurity charged to the disciples was solely a ceremonial one. If a person touched a dead body or if they ate certain items, they were ceremonially contaminated, meaning they weren't spiritually acceptable to worship God. And prior to approaching God, the law said that they had to go through a cleansing ritual. But the Pharisees had added to these cleansing rituals. They commanded, for example, that before a Jew ate, they should cleanse their hands through this intricate scrubbing procedure, washing not only their hands, but also their arms up to their elbows, like surgeons do before they perform surgery. So they were criticizing the disciples for neglecting to follow through on the washings stipulated by Jewish customs. But Jesus sees right through their rules and calls them out. They were coming for the disciples on something they had made up. They had added to the Old Testament law, something that had nothing to do with scripture. These additions were not a part of the law. On the other hand, they actually were in violation of the law of God, this law that they were so quick to enforce on everybody else. Old Testament law said that men should take care of their parents as they got older. Yet the scribes and Pharisees were unwilling to part with their money to help their aging parents. This is the, the law that Jesus is referring to when he tells them that they were in violation. So they came up with basically some lip service that got them off the hook. If a father or mother appealed for assistance, all they had to do was say, Sorry, not sorry, mom and dad. The money I would have given to you is actually dedicated to God. So whatever needs you have, you're on your own. It can't come out of my pocket. And with that clever little phrase, they had exonerated themselves from the financial backing of their parents. This sneaky move allowed them to disobey the law. Again, this was their man-made addition to the law. So Jesus reads them for this, even quoting Isaiah in the Old Testament when Isaiah said, and now I quote, 
This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. Their worship of me is empty since they teach instructions that are human rules. Then Jesus calls them hypocrites to their faces. He is so irritated with their false righteousness, their fraudulent religiosity, and their fake reverence for the law. Then he turns away from them and tells the crowd gathered nearby that in God's eyes, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but rather what comes out. This would have been tantamount to heresy because under the Levitical codes, the law that Jews had been bound to for as far back as anyone could remember, what went into the mouth did defile a man. They had all kinds of dietary restrictions and rules under the ceremonial laws, but Jesus was now telling them that they could throw the whole system away because neither the food that the disciples ate nor their unwashed hands were an issue. It was the hypocrisy of the Pharisees that was a problem. No doubt the crowd was probably aghast and taken aback by Jesus's words. His disciples even came up to him afterwards like, hey, yo, Jesus, you know the Pharisees were offended by what you said. You might want to chill. But of course, Jesus knew they were offended. That was his intention. Their emphasis on their man-made laws was nothing but a front. Jesus responds by telling his disciples that they weren't planted by God. The Pharisees weren't planted by God and that when it's all said and done, they would be uprooted by God. And then he goes on to say, just ignore them. They are the blind leading the blind and they're all going to fall into a ditch. And then Peter is like, hmm, hmm. Okay, so, so Jesus, what did you mean about what goes into the mouth not defiling a man? And Jesus is like, Peter, seriously, you don't understand yet? <sighs> okay, let me break it down for you. What you eat comes out. You eat it, digest it, and eliminate it. Your morality is not affected, just your physicality, your body. However, the words you speak come from your heart. That's where you come up with evil thoughts and plots and plans for murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, slander. That kind of behavior is indicative of the kind of person you are. And that's what God cares about. He doesn't care anything about all these random rules they've created to keep people feeling like they can never measure up. Then today, these Pharisees want a sign from heaven. They want Jesus to do some kind of miracle in the sky. And Jesus, although he most certainly could have, says no. They've seen him perform miracles on plenty of other occasions and had always tried to explain it away as if he was using some kind of trickery, sleight of hand, or on one occasion, they said it was by the devil's power, a demonic spirit, Beelzebub. And that's when he told them, for real? Y'all going to look at all the good I'm doing in the name of my heavenly father and give credit to Satan? That's the one sin that is unforgivable. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. He knew on that day when they were asking for a sign, just like he knew when they accused him of being demon possessed, that there would be no changing their hard hearted defiance, no matter what he showed them. Instead, he says, the only sign I'm giving you is the sign of the prophet Jonah. Now, this went right over their heads. 
And I ain't even gonna lie. It went right over mine too, because I was like, wait, what does Jonah have to do with this? But upon further digging, Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and then came out. Jesus was speaking about his death, being in the grave for three days and then coming out, his resurrection. After he said what he said, he left. Then these disciples, ooh, these disciples, later, after they had crossed to the other side of the lake, they're like, oh, shoot, Jesus, we forgot the bread. And Jesus says, watch out for the yeast of those Pharisees and Sadducees. That's what y'all need to be worried about. And then these slow to understand handpicked followers of Jesus start arguing with each other because none of them had brought the bread. And Jesus is probably thinking, these doggone disciples ain't gonna beat the death of me. Y'all stop. Why are y'all arguing about who forgot the bread? First of all, I'm not talking about the actual bread bread. Second of all, if I was, y'all still shouldn't be arguing. I literally just fed over 10, probably 20,000 people between the last two stops where all those people were with leftovers for y'all. But third of all, why don't y'all know that I'm not talking about the kind of bread you eat? What am I missing here? Or what are y'all missing? Why don't y'all understand? And then as they're probably staring at each other, feeling silly for arguing after Jesus lights them up, it hits them. They get it. He meant that the yeast or leaven of the Pharisees' hypocrisy and the Sadducees' skepticism and doubt was spreading throughout Jewish culture and causing people to doubt or at the very least be less receptive to his message. And then back to the Old Testament today, we experience the death of Jacob, who we've seen at some very low moments, but also some high ones. He's on his deathbed when he calls for Joseph and later the rest of his sons. And I won't recap all of what he said here. By all means, do some deeper study if you'd like to read about it. But what I would like to do, since we are closing the chapter on Jacob, is give him a proper memorial. We have discussed him so much, I feel like it's only right. A moment of silence, please, while I read. Jacob, beloved son of Isaac and Rebekah, passed away peacefully at the age of 147, surrounded by his sons. He was a beloved husband to Rachel. He was something else altogether for Leah. The father to 12 sons, one daughter, Tina, and grandfather to a bunch of grandchildren. Jacob was known for many things, including his cunning ability to receive a blessing from his father that was not meant for him and for his favoritism of Joseph. He is perhaps most famous for his wrestling match with God in which Jacob was ultimately blessed and given a new name, Israel, but infamous for doing nothing when his daughter Dinah was defiled. With his death, the era of the great patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob draws to a close. In his final breaths, Jacob bequeathed his blessings and a double portion of his inheritance to his beloved son Joseph, who he was still showing favoritism to in his death. He then prophesied the future of his other 12 sons, their destinies, and their descendants. He will be remembered most of all, hopefully, for his faith and obedience to God in difficult times, 
After all, none of us would want our lasting legacy to be one defined by our poorest choices. And his name does appear in Hebrews 11.21 as one of the great examples of faith alongside Abraham and Isaac. So let us honor and remember Jacob, the son of Isaac and grandson of Abraham, for his faithfulness to God. Let us remember him for his perseverance and strength in times of adversity. Let us remember the blessings he received from God, both temporal and spiritual. And please keep Joseph in mind as he was his father's favorite and will no doubt have some difficult days ahead. And let us remember that even the great patriarchs were human beings who made mistakes, but still managed to receive God's blessings and favor because they trusted him more than anything else in their lives. In his memory, may we too strive to trust God and remain faithful even in the darkest moments of our lives. And now, let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift of laughter, levity, and lightheartedness. Thank you for joy and cheer and the ability to find something to hee-hee about even as we receive your word. Help us to always have humor in our hearts and to be able to laugh at ourselves and our mistakes. Give us grace for one another and for those who don't always get our jokes. Help us to use humor as a way of sharing the gospel and the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, with others so that we might all be drawn closer together in love by a shared sense of playfulness and to lighten the heavy load someone is carrying. And when we're feeling low, Lord, help us to always remember at least one reason we have to smile. We want to be the kind of people who bring laughter into the lives of those who we come in contact with. Will you help us with this, Lord, with the clean and pure heart with our attitudes, our words, and our actions. Help us to bring joy to those around us. Help us to be the kind of people who can turn a bad day into a good laugh. In your son Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. And our affirmation for today. Today, I will live my life to the fullest because God has given me every reason to smile. Today, I will live my life to the fullest because God has given me every reason to smile. And our aphorism, what sunshine is to flowers, smiles are to humanity. That's all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Verses and Flow. Let me know. Y'all know I like to receive messages and comments and text messages and all that great stuff. Emails, however you want to reach me. That is Jennifer at VersesandFlow.com, by the way. That's my email. I love to hear from you. You belong here and we belong together on this journey. I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.